0: podcast
1: just a warning before we start this episode contains graphic descriptions of violence some listeners might find it upsetting officially the wagner group does not exist it never existed There is no registration, no record of tax returns. Everybody from the Kremlin to the Russian defence ministry to the Russian president himself, they've
0: all denied the existence of this organisation.
1: Not only that, they're not allowed to exist.
0: Private military companies are still illegal under the Russian constitution.
1: And still, the Wagner Group has cropped up in Ukraine, Syria, Libya, Central African Republic and Mali. Expanding Russia's military interests abroad.
0: Mercenaries are more motivated. Mercenaries are more persistent in achieving the goal.
1: But what is it like to be a Wagner Group mercenary? Why one soldier for hire says he joined the group, and what he has to say about its role in conflicts around the world? I'm Halam Ahidine, and this is The Take. Can you just start by introducing yourself?
2: My name is Niko Vrobioff. I'm a Russian-British freelance journalist.
1: Niko's done lots of reporting on Russian mercenaries, including stories for Al Jazeera. And recently, he interviewed a former member of the Wagner Group.
0: My name is Marat Gabidulin. In 2015, I joined Wagner. Resigned in 2019.
1: We should also say that Nico spoke with Marat in Russian, so they could speak freely. But you'll also hear Marat speaking to us about his experiences with Wagner in English.
2: So Marat used to serve in the air forces, so he was a paratrooper in the 90s.
0: I'm a former officer of the airborne troops of Russia.
2: And then the opportunities around Wagner arose kind of like the mid-2010s.
1: What did Murat tell you about how he got his start?
2: At that point, he told me he was at quite a low point in his life, searching for something to do.
0: I worked in the private sector as a bodyguard, then head of bodyguard and then head of the security service. I did not really like my field of work, And eventually, I lost interest and was in a state of deep depression. I did not know how I should build my life. And he had military experience already. He heard about this opportunity to make some money. My friend told me that in Russia there is a structure where I can rediscover myself and return to the military profession. And yeah, that's basically how he signed up.
1: But it's not all patriotism and rallying around the Russian flag for a lot of these mercenaries.
2: Based on what Marat's told me, like, some of them try to dress it up as patriotic duty. But what he tells me is that the money is their primary motivation.
1: And was that Marat's motivation for becoming a mercenary?
2: Yeah, both financial reasons and searching for purpose.
1: 2014 is when most people will tell you the Wagner Group first began. Members of the group started appearing among several other private military contractors in eastern Ukraine.
2: I've met another ex-member of Wagner who was with them from the very beginning. He went to East Ukraine to fight as a volunteer in the original war in the Donbass in 2014-2015.
1: The Donbass is Ukraine's easternmost province. And Wagner was fighting there on behalf of Russia.
0: This is when Russia annexed Crimea. The Wagner group played an enormous role in the annexation.
1: By 2015, Russia had control of the Crimean Peninsula. And around that time, Marat joined Wagner too.
0: I decided to take this chance and went to the military training ground.
1: It all happened quite quickly, he says.
0: Mercenary units do not go through a full course of training. Mercenaries are used primarily as assault squads. The first business trip took place in the summer of 2015 in Lugansk.
1: Murat first went to the heart of the Donbas. Russian army turned to Wagner's mercenaries, known as Little Green Men they reportedly assassinated rogue separatist leaders and participated in the Battle of Debaltseve. And according to Nico, many of those original fighters never left.
2: A uh, big core of the group consisted of veterans of the original conflict, the Donbas.
1: And that's where Marat started learning what the Wagner group does.
2: So it was used in operations where Moscow... Didn't want to be seen getting its hands dirty, you know. So, for example, in Africa, in the Middle East,
1: and Marat says it was started by the Russian government.
0: Wagner was created by the Ministry of Defense, originally as a tool of warfare. Now, Wagner has transformed. They're no longer part of the Russian
1: military, but the military is still involved. Marat says the military coordinates
2: their action.
1: And Nikos says that means more flexibility for the Russian government.
2: — Basically, because private military companies or mercenary outfits, as they're more commonly known, because they're officially illegal in Russia, that gave Wagner sort of like a plausible deniability. Like, they could they could be used by the Kremlin, by Moscow, for operations where they don't necessarily want to be directly tied to.
1: — They can fight a war, kill, be killed, and the whole time, Claim they were never there,
2: either for like political reasons or like, they're afraid of backlash back home once the bodies start coming back.
1: This formula was working for Russia, Nico says, and the annexation of Crimea was a clear success, so Murat stayed on
0: for round two. I went from a private soldier in a combat union to the commander of the reconnaissance company the entire year. In 2018, I worked as a chief advisor of the Syrian Battalion of ISIS Hunters.
1: Russia's arrival in Syria in 2015 was a game-changer.
0: He joined in the
2: Syria campaign. They played a pivotal role in the Russian war effort. Russia was
1: supporting the Syrian government forces, led by President Bashar al-Assad. And when Marat talks about that time, He sounds like someone who takes some pride in the work he's done.
0: In Syria, Russian mercenaries served as the main military force to defeat ISIS. The mercenaries were at the forefront. He was the first former member
2: of Wagner to openly talk about the group. He published a memoir called In the Same River Twice about fighting in Syria. The reason why he wanted to speak out is because he felt mercenaries, people like him, they were a huge part of the Russian war effort in Syria and campaigns around the world, but they often don't go acknowledged. They have families, their families uh, see coffins coming back from the battlefield, but they didn't get the medals, they didn't get the recognition that he and others feel that they might deserve.
0: Marat says casualties weren't recorded. The main task was to achieve a military victory and hide the real number of losers of the Russian military contingent. The losers of mercenaries were not included in the statistic of uh, official losers, and the Russians got uh, the impression that the Russian armed forces defeated ISIS with little bloodshed. The combat experience of mercenaries also matter. They fought more than the army.
1: But of course, Nico spoke to him about the casualties they inflicted as well. And we should say that it is pretty rare to be able to speak with someone who works with the Wagner group. Does he regret serving in Wagner and the things that he did? Or is he proud of it?
2: He told me from a professional perspective, no one could have done the things that Wagner did in Syria the regular Russian army would not have been able to carry such things out. Is that
1: because they aren't bound by the moral and ethical constraints that other armies are, or they're just simply stronger?
2: Uh, I don't think he was referring to Wagner's soldiers necessarily being stronger. I think he was more referring to the legal vacuum uh, in which Wagner operated and that the lack of oversight. Because the way the Russian military tried to present the Syria campaign, it was a bloodless campaign from the Russian side. Now we have social media, so now we can see the ugliness for what it is. If we had Instagram back in the Napoleonic Wars, I think we'd have seen some things we regretted.
1: Marat, did he ever express any kind of reservations about the sort of work he was being engaged to do, even when he spoke with other mercenaries, other people in his Wagner days?
2: During the Battle of Palmyra, Marat was actually wounded by a grenade blast, which uh, took him out of action. The war came to Palmyra. Fighting between Syrian rebels and government forces peppered the ancient buildings with bullet holes.
0: When I was badly wounded under Palmyra, I could not stand up and even roll over on my stomach. I was afraid that ISIS would capture me and began to crawl back to my people on my back and shoot into the void in front of me.
1: Murat told Nico this injury was a serious one.
2: It was was an injury serious enough to make him less than uh, combat able. Uh, I'm not sure if he was deployed to the front line since then.
1: Did they believe in the missions that they were being asked to carry out or did they just not care?
2: Perhaps some of them really do believe in the special operation in Ukraine and what it means for Russia. I mean, I'm talking about right now, but... When Marat was around, I believe he told me that the main motivation for them was money and everything else was basically just dressing up.
1: But what were these men able to do for money? That's after the break.
2: Hey everyone, Sammy Zaydan here from Essential Middle East Podcast. Now this week's episode is all about Qatar's security arrangements for the 2022 World Cup. So check it out.
1: We're talking to journalist Niko Vorobayev about Marat Gabidulin, a former mercenary for Russia's Wagner Group, who was active in Syria. He got injured at Palmyra, and I remember covering that. And one of the striking bits of footage that I was looking at was Palmyra was this UNESCO World Heritage Site. Palmyra's ancient buildings and amphitheatre drew tourists from around the world. And you had these archaeologists and scientists who were being tortured. It was just really grim and affecting for me to watch.
2: For half a century, Halad Assad was a guardian of Palmyra's ancient Roman ruins. It's here where the 82-year-old academics believe to have been beheaded by the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant.
1: The awfulness of that combat and the awfulness of people getting dragged into it for defending works of historical and natural beauty, it just seemed like such an ugly, ugly battle to be in.
2: Yeah. So the Syria campaign, me and Murat discussed this at length. There was a famous incident that was first uncovered uncovered—the scandal. So there was video footage on the internet of a group of Wagner mercenaries torturing, killing and dismembering a Syrian conscript who'd gone AWOL.
1: One of the most disturbing incidents of the war in Syria. An unarmed man taunted
0: and tortured by four Russian-speaking men in military fatigues.
2: And they actually cut off his head. I'm looking at a picture of it now, like, there's four of them standing around posing, two of them looking quite happy about it next to this severed head. Just to be clear,
1: Murat says he was not part of this incident. But if this was happening, and it was Wagner Group members, In a way, it becomes the image of the Wagner group. Horrific incidents like this one. So what were Marat's thoughts?
2: I asked Marat about it. He said that for the most part, like such incidents were rarities.
1: Though he did admit to some problems among the ranks.
2: There was definitely an element of psychopathy among some members, but he said that the majority of Wagnerites were professional in that sense, and that his unit... While he was there, personally didn't engage in any atrocities. Uh, I can't find any evidence that he was involved in the trustees either.
1: Sure, but I mean, with any military, their conduct during campaigns overseas, the Americans, the Abu Ghraib sort of torture allegations in Iraq, those are serious allegations and soldiers themselves feel that deeply because you can always say it's a few bad apples, it's not us, but it reflects on the whole of the military. And... It almost takes away their legitimacy in a sense. And if soldiers aren't involved in it, they feel very deeply and we will fight to take that kind of thing down. Is there that sense of pride of being part of the Wagner group? Was there a recognition from Murat that there was a bit too much of this kind of barbaric nonsense going on and it wasn't a professional force and something that he would not feel comfortable defending or being a part of?
2: I mean, obviously I haven't, been to Syria with him, I can't verify his claim, but he says he didn't witness any such atrocities.
0: You cannot rob and kill
2: civilians. He did acknowledge the beheading. He referred to them as four sadistic bastards who should have never been brought out to the
0: field. The episode with the execution of the Syrian is an isolated case. It is not a systematic manifestation.
1: But that's not to say there aren't questionable practices within the Wagner Group.
0: They have their own laws that allow out-of-court execution. But I would say the fact that
2: for a long time it was very much operating under the shadows, Mm. that would have led to a
0: lack of oversight. Mercenaries can afford to violate the Geneva Convention, since mercenaries are outside the legal field. Also now in Ukraine, inside Wagner, there are strict disciplinary standards. They have their own laws that allow out-of-court execution.
1: Right now, Wagner is facing legal action for, quote, terrorism, using, quote, torture, murder and rape as weapons of war in Ukraine.
2: And the men involved in the Syrian beheading, I didn't think that they had been prosecuted or investigated by the Russian courts at all. So perhaps there's like an element of sort of officialdom protecting them, in a sense.
1: Moscow said the reports, quote, have nothing to do with Russian military operations in Syria, and requests to launch a probe were dismissed. Controlling the message seems to be one of the main benefits of the Wagner Group for Russia, Niko says.
2: There was actually an incident between Russian and American forces in Syria where the Russians were hit by American warplanes.
0: Russian media say an unknown number of private Russian military contractors were killed, possibly up to 200. U.S. officials estimate the death toll at around 100.
2: Like, probably the deadliest such incident since the Cold War. But we didn't really hear about it too much because, again, like, Wagner
0: operates in the shadows
1: it was in a place called Deir and Marat found himself there, twice.
0: The second time we ran into the Americans near Deir Ezor, we could not oppose the Americans. It took a lot of effort to control ourselves and not to panic.
1: So Marat, who lived and breathed Wagner, he risked his life, and he saw his fellow fighters die. Was it for Wagner? For Russia, it's still not 100% clear. So I had to ask Nico this question again. Is he proud of what he did as part of
2: Wagner? I think in a professional sense, you could say that Marat is proud.
1: But you heard that pause. It's still complicated, Nico says. Marat knows Wagner is involved in the war in Ukraine. And he also knows he does not support it at all.
2: Regarding his thoughts on the war in Ukraine now in general, he referred to it to me and in other interviews as an absolutely criminal adventure and a mistake.
1: In September, Putin announced Russia would be building his forces in Ukraine by mobilising citizens to fight, what amounted to a draft.
2: I think it is necessary to support the decision to partially mobilize citizens of Russian Federation.
1: But instead of supporting his decision, we saw videos of Russians protesting and many potential soldiers rushed to leave the country.
2: Hundreds of thousands of Russian men have fled the country since September trying to not fight in Ukraine, either because they're against the war or they just don't want to die for it.
1: Are Russian men joining Wagner with the idea that they'll at least be paid to fight?
2: Yeah, there hasn't been a massive enlistment. Quite the opposite, in fact, definitely the the primary motivation is money.
1: And what sort of money are we talking about? Say I was to do that, you know, how much money could I expect to get paid?
2: Hang on, let me just do a quick currency conversion. There's actually been billboards advertising the mercenaries So now that Wagner is more out in the open, and on social media as well, we're seeing wages being advertised of 240,000 rubles a month, which translates to just under $4,000, which is much, much higher than what a regular soldier would get paid.
1: Yeah, no kidding. And just in the past month, Wagner had what you could call a grand opening event. It's the opening ceremony of a grand new centre belonging to the Wagner Group, built as a kind of patriotic hub for
2: fresh thinking on all things defence. The mission of the paramilitary group Wagner Centre is to provide a comfortable environment for generating new ideas to improve Russia's defence
0: capability.
1: And the implication is that it is, in a sense, endorsed by the government Does that change the equation almost? Does this mean it's no longer illegal for people to join Wagner?
2: As far as I know, private military companies, mercenary outfits haven't been uh, officially legalised in Russia. But I think it basically just gets officially ignored.
1: Nico's seen Wagner recruiting on Telegram in Kyrgyzstan. It sounded like your run-of-the-mill security job in a mall, but...
2: It was actually a security gig in the special operations zone of Ukraine, which, as local journalists in Kyrgyzstan uncovered, it was actually a front for Wagner.
1: There are also reports of Wagner looking to Russian prisons to find fighters to send to Ukraine. According to a new report, the chief of the Wagner group is personally touring Russian prisons. Apparently, that's their talent pool.
2: What's Marat doing now? So Marat now, he's in the process of seeking asylum somewhere in France. Don't want to disclose what little I know of his current location.
0: Now, I am preparing the second part of the book of memories about working in Wagner. In this book, I reveal the essence of what they really are.
1: Is he worried about Russia or about Putin coming after him There,
2: I've heard that even in France, some have been targeted for assassination.
0: I am taking security measures. I am aware that I am in danger and the leaders of Wagner are hostile towards me.
2: I think that there is a threat, but I also think the Russian government right now has other priorities.
1: And for now, Nikko says the Wagner Group may be safe too.
2: In the short term, most definitely they'll be around. I think that we'll see them throughout this conflict. In the long run, 10 years or beyond, we'd have to see because Putin's already getting old. And considering all the crisis Russia's finding itself under the huge rain and resources that the war in Ukraine is, because the Wagner Group is so closely linked to the current regime in Moscow, I think Wagner's fate is intertwined with the current government.
1: So if the government goes, Wagner likely goes too, Nico says.
2: Yeah, that's how I'd say it.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman, Chloe K. Lee, Nagin Oliai, Ashish Mahotra, and me, Mahieddin. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Malik and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers. And Ney Alvarez is our head of audio. We'll be back on Monday.